The Irish Times Inside Politics podcast is going to be holding another live event. This one is in central Dublin on Thursday, May the 16th at 8am. We are going to be in Medley in Dublin too. We only have a few tickets left, so if you want to join me in conversation with head of Ipsos polling in the US, Cliff Young, along with Pat Leahy and Jennifer Bray, looking at the polling in Ireland in the run-up to the European and local elections, just go to irishtimes.com slash events where you can get your tickets. These two parties, Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, have had their chance. And they've blown it. Oh, come, nobody ever reads manifestos during the election, Sean, you know oh, that. They've taken our policies. Such a collection of chanters and charlatans. It can't be like, here, vote for me, bye. Yeah, I should be the T-shop now, This is Election Daily, the special series from the Inside Politics podcast team at the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. Every evening we have been keeping you up to date with what's been happening in this general election campaign. And my first question to Pat Leahy, to Jennifer Bray and to Fia Kelly is, is that campaign now officially over? Yes. Yes. No. Why not, Pat? Because there's still a few hours left before the yeah, polls yeah. open. So you may be sure that people will be There's still a bit of lettering, there's still a people, bit of leaflet dropping. Yeah, yeah. There's still a bit of like, you know, shafting through the letterbox. Yeah, a few dirty on. tricks. This would be actually a good time for dirty tricks. No, apparently I was told that last night was the best time because the night ah. before, it doesn't, you know, the, the shaft has to be able to seep in through the public consciousness. You have to do it two nights before polling day. <laughs> okay. So if you're really going to do your running mate, you have to give it 48 hours. Okay. To sit. Speaking of seeping into the public conscious, uh, consciousness, I also want to say thank you to all the listeners who've already filled out that survey, which we put up 24 hours ago. And we checked with our data people in here today on how the response was how it was going the answer was phenomenal and I can tell you that phenomenal is not a word that data people use very lightly at all is that a scientific term? it is indeed it is completely scientific it's really great to get all that thoughtful and thought-provoking feedback from you and if you haven't done the survey yet you can still go to irishtimes.com slash podcast survey and have your say so I suppose the next question uh, guys is what happens now? votes are counted (laughs) Well, the votes are cast first, and and the votes will be counted. So no news, I'm afraid, until Mm. 10 o'clock tomorrow night when we'll release the... Details. So we'll have the usual ritual, and it's all a lot of it's about ritual now over the next while, isn't it? We'll have the usual photographs of the leaders going to vote oh, tomorrow. Yes. We'll have all that kind of stuff. We'll have reports on turnout through the day, which might be slightly more interesting than usual mm. because it'll be different patterns, won't it? No tea time rush, no, you know, pre-commute, people getting in early. It'll be, a, you would imagine it'll be a steadier pattern throughout the day because the Saturday people have, they're not, they're not going to work. So it'll be a test of this Saturday polling. Like, there'll be a real experiment mm. in it as well to see if it actually works. That's a more European way of doing things. It's one of the real uncertainties, yeah. I think, actually, about tomorrow. I mean, it's lots of uncertainties, and parties will freely admit this themselves, that they actually don't know how the Saturday thing is going to affect uh, turnout. Now, we can be reasonably sure, I think, that the, the Saturday was chosen because... Taoiseach and Fine Gael espied some advantage for mm. themselves in it. Um, but the way this campaign has gone for them, you wouldn't necessarily mm. rely on that particular judgment. So I think it'll be really interesting to see. The other thing is to get out the vote, which is going to be interesting, because you, you saw what Sinn Féin did in Dublin Midwest. They concentrated on driving their support base out to the polls. That was just in one constituency and a very low turnout in the by-election. Mm. But if they've learned the lessons from that, will you see a really, really intense operation from Sinn Féin to make sure that that surge that we've seen really turns out. 
uh, I think that's going to be one of the interesting things to watch tomorrow. One other thing that could be a factor is the weather because it's going to be absolutely terrible. Um, later in the day, I think. Starting off, the I think, I think, yeah, early to mid-afternoon, Connacht, Ulster, Ulster and Munster, uh, showers, heavy showers, risks of spot flooding that will come into the rest of the country into the evening and night. So I think it's vote early tomorrow if you don't want to get a drenching. Who does bad weather affect the most? Older people? People. Yeah. People who don't live there near their polling stations. So older people living in rural areas would be... Yeah, but also it's got to depress. If you would walk to your local polling station in urban areas, you might not want to go out in the pouring rain. It could be really, really... Differential turnout can sometimes be really... Historical anecdote coming up. Historical anecdote, Claxon. Okay. But the weather won the divorce referendum in mm. 1995 mm-hmm. because it was wet in the west of the country, which depressed turnout, and it was fine in the east of the country, which did not depress turnout, and the uh, divorce referendum was won by 10,000 votes, less than 10,000 votes. So bad weather in the west is good for progressives. It's a new version of Red Sky at Night or something like that. (laughs) Uh, Well, I'll leave you to coin the aphorism, but... It, has, it, it can have an effect. A yeah. slightly more serious question about the weather, maybe, or maybe it's not, but there, there were warnings that it could be really seriously bad weather in some parts of the country. I'm not sure whether those are still predicted to come to pass. And this weather alert colour system we have at the moment, I find uh, slightly overwrought at times. But it could is One possible. last chance for Earl Murphy to go up to the, you know, emergency uh, centre yeah. and, you know, well, exactly. roll up the sleeves. It, well, well if, if it were to be the case that it went to status red, which I think is the most the most serious colour coding, which means essentially that the people people in that area are advised that they should not leave their homes because their lives might be at risk. If the state on one hand is holding a general election and on the other hand is telling people not to leave their homes because their lives may be at risk, does that possibly invalidate the election? <laughs> well, n- n- no. Um, well, first of all, as an aside, when did this great national enfeeblement of being unable to go out in bad weather uh, creep up on us? But anyway, um, so what happens is, uh, as I understand it, right, there, uh, the prospect of a red warning for tomorrow is a meteorologically very unlikely, okay? But it is possible that it could arrive maybe tomorrow evening and for, for Western counties. And what would happen, I think, uh, if uh, on... If, if such a thing was issued for, say, the western or northwestern counties, is that the count would actually be postponed there. So counting might take place in the rest of the country, but for argument's sake, the counts in, if there was a red, uh, a, woo, a red warning for the counties. <laughs> that was not a sound effect. Galway, that was partly his actual Mayo, voice. And Tony where, in my experience, person. some reasonably hardy residents reside. They're, they're kind of used to but that. Anyway, in I do know. But that. anyway, if there's a red, uh, a red warning tomorrow night, uh, then the counts would be postponed in those places. They would proceed in uh, in other places. So, so there's it would no affect the counts, but it wouldn't affect anything counts, to no. do with the, the voting yeah. or the polling or anything yeah. like that. No? Okay, well, glad to, glad to set, set that at rest anyway. Listen, I just wanted to say also that if you haven't yet subscribed to the Irish Times, you really should do so. irishtimes.com slash subscribe is the address to go for, not just for the excellent political coverage, but for a wide range of other things. Be warned, guys, here comes the plug. I have been putting the ticket supplement to bed over the last couple of days, and that is a virtually entirely election-free zone tomorrow, which includes my own interview with the Booker Prize-winning novelist Anne Enright, Donald Clark's Guide to Sunday Night's Oscars, and Lara Marlowe's report from Ghent on the genius of the Renaissance painter Jan van Eyck. So remember that's always first with the news. Subscribe. That sounds great. You're Jan van Eyck uh, fan yourself, Pat? 
Not my favourite of the Dutch masters. Yeah, he's, he's the earliest one. Well, they, they just got better after him, didn't they? Moving swiftly along, Pascal Donoghue, you were, you were with him today, Jan. I, I was, I was indeed. Um, this was their last, uh, Fine Gael's last campaign event of the election and they held it just after the broadcast moratorium, which I was delighted about, you know. Broadcast have plenty. Print exclusive. Leave something left for us. <laughs> We're going to win. <laughs> us last men and women in print. Um, and yeah, you know, um, it, I was going along and obviously going along for news and, and for the paper, but I wanted to kind mm. of get an idea of what the mood is as well. Because in, I've been talking to a couple of different people in Fine Gael in the last day or so, and there's like a few different emotions. There's exhaustion, but there's also giddiness. There's sort of anticipation. And there's this kind of question of how bad can it be? One Finnegaler said to me that they feel like the Grim Reaper is standing in the corner and it's just waiting to extend its bony finger to beckon them to their political grave. And when they saw I was like, oh God, it's <laughs> terrifying. And that was one of the optimists. That was, actually it was. No, seriously, it was. Um, so yeah, so to get the, trying to get an idea of, of where they're at. And Pascal Donoghue was very good at putting kind of a, a very cheerful face on things. You know, he's very affable. Um, he He's cheerful at the best of times. But, you know, he was basically saying that uh, he still thinks it's all to play for. And um, I asked him, at this stage, at the end of the campaign, on the eve of an election, did he have any regrets? And he said no. And I asked Richard Bruton, did they have any regrets? And I, the, the the context I'm asking that is, is in terms of the campaign. And obviously they, the message has been from the very beginning about the about Brexit and the economy. And I remember um, just before the election was announced, Fine Gael had a parliamentary party meeting in town. And afterwards, one of their TDs came out and said to me, uh, I said, well, has an election been called? First of all, they're like, no. Um, and I said, well, what did happen? And they said, OK, well, look, the one thing I took away from this is our message is going to be that people just don't understand how good it is in the economy. And, and we're not getting that message across enough. And what we're going to do is really hammer home all the great things that we've done, you know, like our record and in, in, in unemployment and all this. And I just thought, oh, my God, that's 2016. Let's keep the recovery going. And I thought, ah, oh, surely it can't be. It didn't work then. Things have gotten worse in some ways since then in terms of housing and, and health. And it was that's that that was their message. And they stuck with it until the dying day. And my question was in the context of do you regret that? And they don't. Um, and my second question was whether they are worried about their seats, they being Pascal Donoghue and Richard Richard Bruton. Richard Bruton seemed to think, he, he seemed confident enough. Pascal didn't seem that confident. He said um, that he wasn't taking anything for granted, but he made one interesting comment talking about how in his constituency in the last week, he has noticed a change afoot. There is a change afoot in my constituency. I can see it happening in terms of, for example, those who are asking me a lot more penetrating questions on the doorstep than I've experienced before. A feature of this election campaign for me has been the number of policy discussions I've had on the doorstep. And it is different, the appetite for detail and the appetite to understand what we have done and what we want to do is really different from other elections that I've contested. People on the doorsteps are now asking him forensic questions about policy and, and they're not just letting him go. They're That's saying, OK, well, hold on a minute, this, that and the other. So I think he's getting a hard time on the doors. Um, so, yeah, it was just interesting. I mean, they put it, they're putting a brave face on it, but the question is, how bad is it going to be? Funny, I, I walk through Pascal's constituency every day on the way to and from work. And um, once or twice I've bumped into Pascal. Um, and I remember shortly after the 2016 election, I bumped into him and congratulated him on his success in, in getting elected. And he talked about he knew 
from very early on that he was going to do well because the early boxes came from the Sheriff Street, the most working class end of the constituency. And he was getting 10 or 15 percent, which may not sound like a lot. But at that end of the constituency, that was really good for him. And I just wonder, from what I know of his kind of work in that constituency, Pat, I remember you did a piece um, a few months ago about the kind of the changes that have been brought in in the north inner city, which he's been kind of central to, hasn't he, in terms of trying to address. And particularly that you mentioned Sheriff Street, that's one of the, uh, that's, you know, the very epicenter of the northeast inner city partnership and those efforts that have been, uh, the efforts that have been made down there to, tackle the various social problems uh, that have that have bedeviled the area. Um, and Pascal Donoghue has been very involved uh, in that. Uh, he is, I think, at this stage pretty well known down there. If he was getting 10 or 15% in Sheriff Street in 2016, I would be very surprised if he's not getting more there. Pascal Donoghue, he's the Minister for Finance. He's the second most powerful person in uh, in the government, in some respects the most powerful uh, uh, actually under our under our system, he has looked after his constituency fairly assiduously. I would be very surprised if he is if he if he loses his seat. And I would say that if Pascal, let's also bear in mind it's now a four seater, was a three seater the last sure. time, and, and with better and, areas integrated into it, and and he has benefited from him, from boundary changes. So I would put it this way: if Pascal Donahue loses his seat. There is not alone the impact on Fine Gael of losing one of its most substantial figures. But if they're losing that type of seat, they are having safe. a cataclysmic meltdown he around also, the country. He also did a leaflet drop last night across his constituency where he said, you know, make sure you vote for me, number one, was the message. There was no mention of Deirdre Duffy, the running mate. So they decided earlier this week, from what I know, that it would be fully supportive of Pascal Donoghue and Deirdre Duffy would take a back seat. So it was all focused on him. Does that mean that they're worried about his seat or does that mean they're just taking precautionary measures? Someone I was speaking to who was out with Pascal Dunn who last night have said they felt it would be okay. Um, but it just goes to show that the, the limiting of the ambition, whereas a year, 18 months ago, uh, Pascal Dunn who had a running mate, Leo Vracker had a running mate, talk of getting these people elected, talk of getting two seats in Dublin constituencies, that's just gone now. And Leo Varadkar's move, last move of the campaign today, like yesterday, like we spoke in the podcast, a defensive move in Carlo, a defensive move today in Clare where they have two seats and they they will do well to hold those two seats with Paparine and Joe Carey. Is there any chance at all that we, be look, that we look back on this podcast in 48 hours' time and we say... We were too doomy about Fine Gael. They did actually, voters Absolutely. did swing back to them in the last week. They were won over by some of the arguments that were made. And actually, although they didn't do brilliantly, they didn't do as catastrophically as we seem to be indicating here. There is a possibility that they, that they, did, that they do not get absolutely cleaned out. That, like I think we did a thought where if they, if they I think most of them kind of say if we get over 40 seats now, yeah. we'd be, we'd, we'd be yeah, happy. Well. We'd be happy. We had a thought that showed them on a, on a decent day getting getting over 40 seats. There will be surprises when the exit poll comes in and when, and then, and again, when the uh, when the seats are counted. Every single election, this happens. You know, there's an expectation in the days before, much of which takes place, given that the polling data is by that, uh, by that stage somewhat dated. You have an absence of information, of hard information in the last the ex- week. And we all are mm. trying to guess it. We're all doing our, our seat tots. And when it comes like in, the, we're all The last surprised. one was a real surprise. When the exit poll came into this building, we got initial data, I think, you know, to the shape of the day. And it was looking, I remember it clearly, the data at nine o'clock had Fine Gael, I think, on 26.5. 
and we were grimacing, looking at it, going, oof. And then the data came in at 10 o'clock and had them at 25.5. I think everybody here remember that was a huge, huge shock. The wisdom at the time was that Fine Gael were going to tick up in the last week and that was going to go. So you just don't know. It didn't happen. They went back. Fianna Fáil went up. Jen, you wanted to make a point there. I forget. Well, that's fine. (laughs) Sorry. We have another example of that, the 2007 election, which is the election that Fine Gael kind of hoped was going to repeat itself where a government which was unpopular but had uh, uh, what it thought was a good record on the economy was seeking a third term didn't look like it was going to happen for them over the course of the campaign and then there was a last minute comeback when that result came in I remember it well it was and Fianna Fáil were up to nearly 42% it was a huge shock so wasn't there a poll that we go from that though that kind of indicated the direction it was a sign of of change we we do try and keep these podcasts to to, to under 15 minutes and before we wrap it I do want to talk to you about exit polls you mentioned the the last one there Pat because we're doing one slightly different arrangement from uh, from the last election we're doing it in association with RTE TG Cahir and UCD we will have it at 10 o'clock tomorrow night 10 o'clock tomorrow night um, it'll be on uh, live on RTE television and we will go up live on irishtimes.com at 10 o'clock. It is being done by the Irish Times pollsters. Ipsos MRBI have a very good record of accuracy in previous exit polls. This time we're doing it in conjunction with RTE, UCD and TG Cahar. So yeah, tune in 10 o'clock tomorrow night. Uh, that's when it'll happen. We can't wait. Listen, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much to Pat, to Jen, to Fiek. Thanks also to our producer, Declan Conlon. You can find us on all the usual pod- podcast platforms, including Apple, Acast and Spotify. You can also get us at irishtimes.com slash podcast. You can mail us at politicspodcast at irishtimes.com. You can usually find us lolling about on Twitter. We will be back on Saturday evening once the polls have closed. Uh, so very soon. But until then, thanks for listening and make sure to vote tomorrow.